0: Hello, uh, welcome back to the granite zero podcast before i kick off the next installment of this podcast i want to talk to you about cbd as you know i use cbd it helps me with my mental health issues whether it's my depression ptsd anxiety i take it before shows because it helps calm me down but it also helps to give me a bit of focus But not only that, because I struggle with my aches and pains in my ligaments and joints, in my knees, ankles, and now my hands, which is weird. Too much wanking, if anything. But anyway, I digress. It's what we do. And what I like to use is Kent CBD. Because Kent CBD is the best CBD that I've used. They send me all sorts from the oil, which helps me with my anxiety, PTSD, and depression. They also send me muscle rubs for my aches and pains in my ligaments and joints. It is fucking brilliant stuff. Not only that, they give me some gummies. Now, 100% get the gummies. The gummies are so moorish. And, oh, they're so good. Make sure you get that. But whilst you're there, get to the fucking end of it once you've got your products. Put in the promo code Granite Zero, all capitals. And get yourself 10% off. You are fucking welcome. But without further ado, on the show today, we have a former Cage Warriors champion, UFC bantamweight contender. London zone Nathaniel the prospect wood welcome to the granite zero podcast check it out Daniel, the prospect word. Thank you very much for coming on the Granite Zero podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, mate. It's good to nah, be here.
0: Mate, seriously, privilege and the honour is all mine. Just gutted that you weren't there on the London card.
1: I know, mate. Watching it live was killing me inside. You know, I was, I was having a good night. I was smiling, but inside I was dying, man. You know, watching everyone compete, especially with how the crowd was on the night. It was... Uh,
0: yeah, I watched, sweet, I watched it on the I watched it on the box and it was uh, it, it looked electric. Like it, it was as though the fans had been waiting for that long mm-hmm. and they're finally allowed out into a proper like fight arena and let their hair down and go mental. It just yeah. it, it must have been just amazing just to be in the crowd.
1: But yeah, mate, it was ex- exactly like you just said. You know, I could tell that the crowd had been um, waiting for that for a long time. You know, I think it's been three years. I think it's been three years now since the last one, um, and you could tell. You know, you could tell yeah. that the fans were happy to have the UFC back. I think the ticket masters could tell as well. That's why they pumped them prices up to crazy, Defe- crazy. Definitely. Um, so yeah, you know, it was. I was quite a proud moment. Because I was like, you know, this is my hometown. And, you know, like, no other crowd I think you'll see. So, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully the UFC can come back soon and actually have me on the card for this one.
0: Well, yeah. uh, Well, from what Uncle Dana said, he wants to do it as mm -hmm. soon as possible, doesn't he? Because, like, I don't know whether he's playing up to the cameras or what, but he was like, I'd have it there every week. He's like, I'll fucking do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I can guarantee you'd fill it out every week as well if you did
1: yeah and you know it is, it is getting to that stage I think where I think the UFC could easily sell out football stadiums um, yeah you know, oh, they I sell think- the tickets instantly so if they're selling the tickets instantly and the crowd is as buzzing as it was like that and I had so many people trying to message me asking for more tickets I think to myself you know I don't think they would have problems selling it nah. to the stadiums Um, you know I'm not saying Wembley like 80,000 but you know, you know, I know I what? Think I, gen- I generally
0: don't think it'd be far off that, mate. If I'm honest, like no, I
1: don't, I don't think. Seeing
0: because obviously us English, us British, we have like a, a football culture, you might say, mm-hmm. and you have the likes of. We'll, we'll use Ricky Hatton for example. He used to take fucking God knows how many over to Vegas with him. Yeah, and I think that the MMA, UFC, Bellator, and things like that. I think. More and more fans are starting to move mm-hmm. away from the boxing side into mixed martial arts side, and I think like the likes of Ricky Hatton, their sort of fan base is now moving over to the exciting fighters like yourself, and yeah. and, and Paddy and, and and whatnot. It's like I feel, I think I think you guys can sell out stadiums quite easily.
1: Yeah, I, I believe so. And imagine. You know the, the obviously the main event was Tom Aspinall and uh, Volkanovski, but imagine Conor McGregor. Yeah. You know, or, you know, you bring in some guys like that, and I really don't see any issues selling out football stadiums. So, don't get me wrong, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. I don't know how you know beneficial it would be for the UFC to do that. I don't know what the profit margins are like, or whether it's more about you know they yeah. just make the money pay per view, but for me in regards to how many people can you fit in a building they can they can do the O2 oh, yeah. every week and having issues so um I
0: think you're right. Yeah, I think the you're future
1: right. the future the future is bright for the UFC and you know the the loose talks about it, them coming back this year and all to Liverpool, Manchester etc you know it's uh it's exciting stuff so I just hope that obviously I'll be on it and I can represent my hometown. Yeah, yeah. And, well
0: hopefully <laughs> hopefully it's back. Like, unfortunately for myself I missed out on um, it was literally just before lockdown happened like the first lockdown the the big one I had tickets to go and see Mason Jones fight for Cage Warriors for the belt Yeah, and I was buzzing it was going to be my <laughs> first proper event going to see uh, a, a fighter that's been on the show before and I was fucking super excited and the next thing we know can't and I was like fuck's sake and then did you do did you, you did a couple of fights in you in the lockdown in the, fight, in the island. fight island, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. See so, that how, how was that fighting on that? Because it seemed I've, I've spoken to Mason about it, and he said, Well, it's a fight to fight, I, I that's my job, but, yeah. But for it, me, I thought
1: the fight I didn't really feel was an issue coming out wasn't really an issue because you're kind of that tunnel vision, yeah, yeah, and the adrenaline rush is kicking in. After the fight, it felt really weird, you know, especially when I fought John Casaneda. And you know, I've got my hand raised, and you're like, Okay, there's no one here, you know, there's literally a couple yeah, of people bad. just, just <laughs> clapping like that. But, yeah, well that was, that was, but the actual fight itself man, it was quite nice. It was like a, a rough spot, you know, I could hear my cornermen like they like,
0: were like a hundred percent spa.
1: Yeah, so don't get me wrong, it is. It's not the same as fighting in your hometown having that crowd behind you, but it wasn't really a problem. Um, yeah, yeah. it just wasn't as exciting, let's say, you know. Because you, um,
0: you fought before, haven't you? On in the UFC on a London card, is that right? Or did I just make that up? Yes, yeah, in 2019. Yeah, yeah, cool. Because what's it like having that added pressure of fighting in your like home country, hometown? Do you do you? Do you does that elevate you more, or do you get, like, extra nervous?
1: Yeah, no, it does for me. It gives me more nerves, but I do well under them nerves. Know, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And For me, I perform well under the pressure, so the more pressure you put on me, the better I'm going to perform. So, for me, I welcome it. Um, yeah, you know, I have no issues with it whatsoever. And there are times where you might be in the fight and you might need that little extra buzz of, you know, I'm not, I can't let these people down. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. That always but, does give me that
0: little extra. I've, I've said this before, and I and with because I've had uh, Jack Shaw, Liz Carmouche, and yourself now, and uh, um, and Mason on. And I was like, I don't want to sound like a dickhead because the only thing that I've done to that sort of level was a white collar boxing match. I've also had Brad on. I've had the <laughs> mentor on. I've had I've had one punch on, and he was fucking brilliant. But we'll get into that in a minute. But I did, I did a white collar event, and of course, I had my friends and family there. I sold a good. 100 plus tickets. It was, yeah. for me, that was a big fucking deal. Like, so I'm not putting it to your guys' level. But for me, it wasn't the fight itself that gave me the nerves. It was letting people down that have paid money to come and see me. Perform. Yeah. So I was like, I've had, <laughs> this sounds stupid as well, talking to a professional fire. I've had fights before, but obviously, street fights and things like that, being a dickhead as a youngster, that doesn't really compare to, what, what you're doing but it's like I've been in a fight before I know what it's like to be punched in the face but yeah. letting down my dad who's come all the way from across the country to come and watch me fight in a charity boxing match don't want to let you down plus I don't want to go down in front of my missus how embarrassing is that
1: yeah I think what it comes down to is how I explain it to people is like you know I bet you have no problem having a, have a little sing song at home you know yeah I, oh, I a love
0: a sing song mate
1: but then if I say to you, right, now you're going to do it in front of 18,000 people, you're probably going to start to... 50 <laughs> oh, p Yeah, so uh, <laughs> for me, is the same sort of thing. You know, I fight every day. We spar, well, not every day, but, you know, we're always yeah, it, yeah. We're always fighting. And, you know, as you say, getting punched, getting beat up, it's not really that bad. Um, you know, it's not much different from going paintballing with your mates. You know, it hurts, of course, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. It's not that that big of a deal, um, but you like you said, losing in front of your friends and family, I don't want to do it. You know, obviously in the UFC, it's my career as well, so you can't afford yeah. to lose. Let's say, especially with how the, that you you know you fight, you get your your money, you win, you get double. So it's very important, obviously on a business side, that you've just got to get the win and obviously perform well because this is a one man sport. You know, there's no one yeah. else in with me. It's me versus my opponent the UFC are going to judge me on how I perform, not how the team does. It's all about me. So I need to make sure that I go in there and put on a good performance and get the wins. So that's where I think the pressure comes in. And then, like you said, you know, you've got all your friends and family there, or they're watching on the telly, and that gives you that added pressure. But for me now, I have learned that it's better for me to have the pressure and the more nerves that I have, it always makes me perform better. So, uh, yeah. It's being
0: thrust on that big stage helps you sort of, yeah, flourish yeah. as an athlete. It, it, it's 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 fucking brilliant. Which I is why I like
1: yeah the early stage of their career whether they're gonna fight or flight. Yeah, you know I don't think you need to. I don't think twenty thousand people actually makes much difference compared to two hundred people. You know it's the same kind of concept, and if anything, the kind of the bigger it gets, sometimes the less real it is. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, when I used to fight the O2 Indigo and Cage Warriors and I think it held uh, let's say 1,500 2,000 people when that was packed out that felt a lot more intense because it was so small and confined whereas the O2 is massive so you can only see a certain amount of people and then the other 15,000 are up here where I'm like well I can't even see them you know Um, so yeah for me I don't think there is much difference so you know I think if you can perform well in front of five hundred people, I think you'll be able to perform well in front of eighteen thousand. But you know, that's just yeah. my opinion. it actually works, out. I don't.
0: Well, everybody's different, and and one of the reasons why I started the uh, the podcast was my mental, my mental health issues when I left the, the military. And the reason why I like to gravitate towards fighters and sports stars and athletes and things like that. Is the fact that you guys have uh, are starting to build this robust sort of mindset in terms of win or lose, you you know how to take it, and and obviously especially in the likes of um, MMA, <laughs> a lot of people go, well, that person is not undefeated. It's like, come on, not in MMA especially. It, it's it's styles make matches, yeah. and and you very rarely do you find a fighter that is going to go completely unbeaten because of that and because of the high level. And it's not pick and choose who you're fighting. No, which is a good thing, I think, because the the best fight the best.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I say to a lot of people that in this sport, there's so much luck involved, that you wouldn't believe Um, it's just play. It's like playing chess with someone, you know, sometimes you can have one bad game and you're like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And I've given up and checkmate. That's it. And I've had it before. I've had it where I've had a, had a guy that, you know, he wasn't a journeyman, but it was one of those where I should have been in every possible place you could think of. And in the first minute and a half, when I took him down, I, I gave him an armbar. And I was like, oh no, what have I done?
0: You know, and... Yeah, exactly. Especially in MMA, like, so many different oh, 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 oh. ways there.
1: Yeah, I felt like saying, let's start again. You know, let's start again.
0: And
1: that's not going to happen. Whoa, whoa, happen again. whoa,
0: whoa. Timeout, timeout. You're yeah. not supposed but to you, do that. That's not supposed yeah,
1: to happen. You, you can't. And that's now on my record forever. You know, if it was in the gym, I would have just gone, oh, what am I doing? Call, cool. let's go again. And then yeah. that would never ever happen. But unfortunately, you make that one mistake, it's game over. You know, and it's yeah. that's what I love about the sport because it adds that pressure in in boxing. You know, obviously, there's people getting knocked out clean, but if you get dropped, okay, you get 10 seconds to get back up and you can kind of get away with the mistake. In MMA, you get caught, the guy's going to jump on top of you or the ref's going to step step in pretty quick. Um, And it's then four-ounce gloves, you know, you can't afford to make a mistake. Even a jab could potentially not come out. Definitely. Um, And that's what I love about it, you know, it makes the sport very, very real. And obviously it's a blessing for the guy that gets the win. Like my opponent at the time, you know, he's got that on his record forever. Yeah. and it's also like a curse you know for the guy that messes up it's a harsh sport it's very cutthroat, and there's there's no room for it's error. very
0: humbling as well isn't it it's like yeah I, I've I've said it before on the podcast before I haven't done much in terms of jujitsu and things like that but I've got <laughs> a a guy that I've gone in and trained with he's he's a purple belt I believe and I'm I'm a complete novice when it comes to it. I know the odds different uh move i can get into a decent rear naked choke i can do a decent kimura as well if i get the opportunity however this guy has got to be at least 20 kilos lighter than me we're roughly about the same height i'm a bit fatter than he is let's put it that way but it felt completely the opposite it was completely the other way around this guy was like a fucking gorilla on me i couldn't Mm -hmm. get him off i was like well i can at least use my strength to get him off no chance and it was so humbling and i was like but it's those sort of moments that are humbling like yeah it like put a little like a flick of a switch in your head you're like this guy literally if he could if he held that choke longer i'm dead i'm i'm a dead yeah. man he just killed me right how can <clears throat> i do this to better myself
1: yeah and that's why i think every parent I think should give their child the opportunity to learn MMA or learn jujitsu, you know, whatever one it is. Yeah, I get what
0: you mean there. Yeah.
1: I think everyone should have the choice to learn how to defend themselves. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's so many martial arts out there. It's like, well, choose your pick. Yeah.
0: Which one do you choose? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think every, definitely my kids, I will be sending them to learn jujitsu. Yeah. If they really, really don't want to do it, that's absolutely fine. We won't do it, but at least I can say I took you there. And yeah, if yeah, ever they come you. home and say, "Hey, Dad, you know, some kids picking on me, and I didn't know how to defend myself," at least I could know that I tried to get them to learn. If my kid come home and I'd never sent him, never taught him or her to, to defend themselves, I would. It would break my heart if I heard them say the words, "I didn't know how to defend myself."
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a father myself. I've got I've got two beautiful angels that are inside, actually riddled with COVID at the minute. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, but I've taught them a few little things. I knew a, a few different escapes. I know how to obviously sink in a good choke and, and whatnot. My eldest has got a nasty rear naked choke on her. Like I've got a video of her getting getting her granddad, um, my father in law. It was literally on my birthday. He was messing around with her, picking on her, and she was like, she managed to somehow sneak into the back position, put her hooks in, and sunk this rear naked choke on him. And I've never laughed so much in my life. You saw the panic in his eyes. And this my mm-hmm. father-in-law is six, two, six, three. He's he physically fit. He's he's far fitter than me, physically in that term. He's like 54. But she sunk it in. I was like, that's a proud dad moment right there. Yeah, I was like, she's got it. That's fucking brilliant. But I, I totally agree with you on that one. And <clears> that sort of comes at, sort of, to my next sort of question, really, was because your, your dad did martial arts, didn't he? Your, he's a, yeah. a jujitsu and, and I have forgot the other thing. I did do some research earlier. You probably told. <laughs> I was watching little documentaries all about you today. Get my yeah. fanboy on. But was that was that something that was encouraged to you by your dad or was it or you always sort of liked fights and and things like that?
1: So when I was about 10, my dad encouraged me to learn kickboxing. And I think I went It was about for a year or a year and a half. And then I quit because it was clashing with my football times. The times all changed. And at the time, I really liked playing football. So it was kind of a, which one would you rather do? Stuck with football. And, you know, it wasn't a problem. My dad never, you know, pressured me into doing mm. it. And then just when I was 15 or 16, I just said, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to become an MMA fighter. And that is literally it. That was uh, that's, history. That's, but luckily, you know, I, I've, I've always been looked after. I've got good parents. You know, I had I went, I went to good school, you know.
0: Because that's the thing, was, isn't it? That's sort of a stigma behind fighters. People expect you to be from a bad background you grew up in a ghetto Damn. your parents split up your mum yeah. ran off your dad you know, up.
1: never never bullied nothing like that um you know i had a couple of little scraps at school them sort of things but nothing really that was anything yeah. crazy you know i never needed to go and learn how to defend myself or nothing like that
0: that's pretty cool though to be fair oh, yeah. i like that like so from my my sort of background similar to yourself in that sort of aspect football was my main love um but my old man was the other opposite to your dad where my dad was right you're going to play football like me and my brother had sort of a a slight love for boxing and sort of combat sports but yeah. it was never no you're not doing that thugs do that that was my dad's sort of mentality unfortunately. um which is weird because he, um, he was a physical training instructor within the, within the Air Force. So they had to specialise in pretty much every sport. And he was like, well, I did boxing in, in the Air Force. It's like, okay, cool. Why couldn't we have done that? Because being my brother, we, we were both um, pains in the ass, especially when we were out on the piss. It was, we would always end up in some sort of scrap, especially myself because I'm an idiot. And I thought it was cool back in the day. You know? Oh, did you get in a fight on the weekend? Yeah, I did. Idiot. But I was like sort of itching to be sort of put into a boxing camp or club. but where I was, it was literally football, football, football. My school was rugby, so I was either playing football or rugby. Um, but yeah, I, I was was like when I got into the Air Force myself personally, i was I joined the boxing team straight away. I did judo for a bit, which was pretty cool. Um mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, I really wanted to do that. but yeah it's it's amazing sort of how different paths you sort of take and obviously at 16 finding a love in mixed martial arts and thinking yeah I definitely want to do that that's pretty fucking cool to be fair
1: yeah I just always wanted to be an athlete I think and you know for me I'm very competitive and I don't think you're ever going to find a more competitive sport than MMA so uh
0: yeah well that's the thing as well because that's it's an individual sport it's a Team, you you're in a team, but it's individual as well, which is brilliant. Best of both, in my opinion.
1: Exactly. And you've got a
0: pretty fucking cool team. That's the one. Definitely. And so you, you said you you said you played football. So here's the question for you. Obviously, a London guy. Which which London team is your team? So <laughs>
1: technically, I shouldn't even really be able to say I support a team because I don't watch football anymore. I don't keep up to date oh, with it. Yeah.
0: We'll uh, I'm
1: originally a Chelsea supporter. Oh, fair one, fair one. Yeah, but you know, if you said to me now, name three players, <laughs> <I'd be> like,
0: <laughs> you're like, okay, well, yeah. yeah, we'll pass. I'll pass on that because obviously, so, uh, yeah, like, like I said, I had your, I had the mentor on. I had Brad on, who mm-hmm. was, it was a, it was probably the first big, in my opinion, because I'm a fanboy of UFC and mixed martial arts. Having Brad on, I was fucking. Yeah, part of my French was jizzing everywhere. I was like, Jesus, I've got Brad Pickett on. But I said to, annoyingly, I said to me, missus, I've got Brad Pickett on. And she was like, who? I was like, what? I went, what do you mean who? I went, he's a pioneer for British fucking mixed martial arts. He's a fucking legend. And having him on, and I've said this about every single UFC star that I've had on the, on the show, um, mixed martial artist, you guys are by far the most down to earth people to ever have a chat with, and yeah. Brad was even better because we were literally talking about Lego for about fucking ten minutes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Loves his Lego.
0: Loves yeah he, he should be showing me all around his fucking little office thing with all his Lego up. I was like, this is brilliant. This is funny brilliant.
1: story is that the other day he's clean and knocked his shelf off and has destroyed all of it. Fuck off. Um, I think it was the Millennium Falcon Yeah But because it was next to the other stuff There's nothing he can do about it Because it's all been muddled up now So
0: Oh, that's even worse Because obviously Lego's a pain in the ass Because it all looks the same uh, He's
1: me I want to get it back But he's like, I haven't got the time to do it So apparently he's going to buy it all And then pay some nerd to fix it all for him So (laughs) I don't think he's too happy with the cleaner
0: No I'd be fuming. Because yeah. I've got no patience as it is. I in fact, I lost my shit at my missus because she was doing the cleaning in the in my daughter's room. And I've my daughter's a Harry Potter mad. So we've got all the Harry Potter, I've got fucking Hogwarts, I've got the Quidditch pitch, everything. And I'm shit, I've got no patience, mate. So when it comes to building Lego, I need my time. I need to like have a beer. To, yeah. to chill me out, otherwise I'm gonna fucking flip out. The... Anyway, I built all this shit, and she's knocked some of it off, and it smashed. And I was like, I've thrown out the fucking yeah, instructions. I threw, I threw the instructions out. I was like, Yeah, it's not, it's not a toy. She's like, It is a toy. I went, It's not for me. It took me ages yeah. to build that. But to be fair, I was watching one of your little mini docs on on YouTube. And the story of you meeting Brad was brilliant. Like, yeah, you had a fanboy moment, you're like, that's fucking Brad Pickett.
1: <laughs> Same as you. I said to my missus, that's Brad Piggy, And She went, Who's that? I was, I was like, Oh, just you know, whatever. Don't <laughs> you know, don't even talk to me anymore. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's cool. And now look at us, you know what I
0: mean? I oh, know, so, and, and cool. to be fair, what 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 he's done as a, as a pioneer in the sport as well, and and also taking like a bit of a franchise, you might say, by turning... You've got a TB... Uh, TB? GB top team now, which is obviously part of American top team and, and whatnot. That's fucking brilliant. That just shows the type of, type of guy he is.
1: Yeah. I think he said from the start, you know, he's always wanted his own gym and he's always wanted to have it as Great Britain top team. So, you know, it's nice that he's finally kind of achieved that dream, let's say. And now it's about, you know, the fighters now representing and uh, bringing back them wins and belts.
0: Yeah, we need, we need to get some belts back to England. Obviously, Bispin can't be the only one. We're not having that.
1: Nah. Or maybe Leon Edwards now. He's oh, yeah. Playing.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. Right. Des- Well-deserved as well. Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent, mate, on that one. But it's 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 fascinating to me, like the the level that you've got to fight at to get these belts. But obviously, the level that we've now got within the UK, yeah, it's fucking it's brilliant. Because obviously, when I when I first started watching, I don't know if you were the same. I think we we're around similar ages anyway. But obviously, you had you had Bispin, you had Brad, and you had Dan Hardy, and that seemed to be like it. For, for ages. Yeah. And now there's this burst of British Loan talent.
1: Yeah. It Did just it... shows how, how much the sport's growing, you
0: know? Yeah, nah, exactly. It how young the sport is as well. Yeah. And what it's now coming to, is like more people are talking about the UFC as that always makes me laugh as well, by the way. It's like the UFC has got this sort of title around mixed martial arts. It's brilliant. It's like, do you watch UFC? Do I watch UFC? Is there... you train <laughs> UFC, Do you That's train
1: UFC? Do you train
0: UFC, Nathaniel? Do you train UFC or not? Are you,
1: I try, I do dabble in it.
0: I dabble in UFC. He does dabble in the UFC, but it's it's awesome, mate. Did you ever get a um an opportunity to do anything like um? Tough or anything like that, or were you just no,
1: quickly... no. For me, I always, I always looked at tough as the, the B entrance, if that makes sense. And I always thought, no, I'm gonna get through the front door. You know, I'm gonna uh, get signed.
0: I'm not gonna have to go into the. And to be fair, off. that punch yeah. you delivered to get signed. Yeah. Fuck That's... me. I did wanted to win a title
1: first and then...
0: Yeah, so when when you connected with that, did you even feel it? Because I've heard that when you connect with a punch like that, it's as though...
1: I felt it, but I'm, it was one of those where, you know, it. before I even looked, it was... Uh, it's a knockout. You've got that. You, you knew.
0: You knew, because you, you can see it. Like, you've hit him, and he's obviously fucking gone stone and then landed, and you go over as if to go, right, I need to finish. As yeah,
1: that's why I put my arms out. And then but... you... I don't want to hit him again. Do you know what I
0: mean? So luckily, obviously, you know. What was was that feeling like, though? Because obviously you're in your hometown. You've just knocked some guy into the fucking nether realm. I don't even know if he's recovered from that still. He's probably still not recovered.
1: Yeah, it's a good feeling because it's obviously I knew as well that it was kind of if you win this one, you're going to the UFC to Mm. an extent. If you win it in good fashion, you know, you gotta yeah,
0: gotta make a statement, and not you?
1: 45 seconds in, you've got a knockout and defended your belt. You know, that's a pretty uh and I think my opponent at the time was 12 wins, one loss, so you a good record. Um you know, he wasn't no like journeyman coming off a off a couch yeah, yeah. You know, he was there to win and take my head off. So uh and
0: plus yeah, there, you know, cage the warriors is back, is no walk. Man. Cage warriors is no walk. There's some fucking Epic fighters have come out of Cage Warriors. Yeah. And i, so. I, tell, I tell you which, which fight I watched earlier it was the fight with you and Crazy Horse. Yeah. That was that was some round. <laughs> I, still, I, still, I still has my head thinking about it. Yeah. Like I was watching it, I was like, oh, it, he's he's gone. No, he's not. I was watching it like I was reliving the fucking fight.
1: Well, that's that, you know, I said about when you've got that crowd behind you, it gives you that extra little boost. Yeah. All I remember thinking is, I can't go out like this. You know, it was they kind of, KJ kind of sold it as England versus Wales. He had a yeah. great support there. I had a great support and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get bashed up in front of my hometown in the first round. There is no way, I wasn't even going for a takedown. You know, I was like, nope, there's no way that I'm going out like this. And I had that crowd behind me and spurred me on, you know. And I got through it, and uh, in my head I was thinking, you know, you gotta kill me if you think I'm going out. So, uh, you know, luckily the ref didn't stop it. I came back, finished. Well, I around. thought
0: that right because you you took a few fucking shots, and you could see one of them that like knocked you back a bit, and you were like, oh fuck me, best put my yeah. hands up a little bit. And and fair play to you because you fucking got the win at the end of it, and. Just fucking madness, mate. Yeah, but it's as though that you had a bit of a reputation for having a good chin, as they say. Yeah, and I watched a couple of a couple of your other highlights that I watched earlier, and I was like, yeah, he's got a, he's got a fucking chin. Like some of these shots that you, you you've taken is like, fuck, I could knock anybody out, and spe- and. It's madness, because you, you fight, obviously, at bantamweight, which apparently is, they don't hit as hard. So like, fuck off. Fuck off. I wouldn't want to take yeah. a fucking hit from any of, the, any of you guys. Definitely not.
1: Yeah, luckily, you know, my chin, it's only the Dod- John Dodson fight where he caught me. If I'm honest, it was just a flash, just a flash drop, you know. I was, I was, about,
0: ready to, to- I was about to say to you on that one as well, because I watched that back, and I was like, you're not out, though. You were sort of trying to get yeah. up.
1: Yeah, that's the and, thing about him and me. You know, and he hits so he
0: hits those fast shots, doesn't he? Dodson, he, he throws about yeah. 14 punches in about a second. You're like, what has just happened?
1: So after that fight, I was absolutely fine. There was no damage. Yeah. But he did you know, though. He flash dropped me and he had, had a
0: massive cut under his eye from as you were going in. It was a bit like not well, not to the same extent, because obviously Aldo got fucking knocked out in the 13 seconds. But as Aldo comes in and hits fucking McGregor, he hits him at the same time as he's getting knocked out. It's like, hang on. If he had not been knocked out, that could have gone a completely different way. But you've, you've caught him on the way in and he's caught you. You've buckled a little bit and then he's hit you with about three or four, five punches on the way down. You're still all right. But the referee's gone, nah, he's not.
1: And that's the thing about it. Is that frustrating?
0: Is that how does that? How do you feel after that? When you're, you're like, I'm fine. Like, because obviously sometimes you see some fighters and, and they go, oh, I'm fine. You're like, you weren't, mate. <laughs> you were on queer street. Your legs had gone. But you, you, you seem like you were standing up. That's got to yeah. be frustrating.
1: It is it is that and it's that sport of, it's um you know, curse and a blessing. So for John Dodson, great. You know, he got the win. The ref yeah. stepped in. For me, curse. You know, if I, if ref had just left it for 10 more seconds, I reckon I would have got it. And it's the same with the Josh Reed fight. You know, Mark Goddard, the ref, could have stepped in. And if he had stepped in, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And maybe Josh Reed would be there. But for me, you know, let's call it the MMA gods. The MMA gods were on my side. Yeah, there's so. a lot of
0: people talk about the MMA gods.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing about luck. You know, there's a lot of luck involved in this sport and it's very harsh. You know, Josh Reed, I think, went on after that and had a couple of losses. I went yeah. on and was signed by the UFC and, you know, my whole career has completely changed. So it is a sport that's about luck and it is a sport that's about consistency. You know, I've lost in the past to people who aren't doing anything with their careers now. And here I am, you know, earning a good living, earning good money. and yeah. fighting for the UFC. So it's about consistency and sticking with it as well. And and having belief, you know, you've got to believe in yourself. So too many fighters these days, I think, take a loss. And then, you know, they're, oh, no, it's, you know, the world's in
0: Yeah, I, I've seen that. And it's as though they're expecting too much too soon as well. Yeah. Like, they see the likes of yourself, fucking... Paddy, etc., and they're like, "Why am I not getting that?" And then they put too much pressure on themselves to try and leapfrog, and and then you see them on on interviews or on Twitter, fucking Instagram or whatever, and you're like, "What? what that's that doesn't sound like you. Be authentic to yourself. If it yeah. if it's supposed to be, it will be." And I'm, yeah. I'm aware that you guys are supposed to market yourselves in a way because you are a brand. And obviously, you've got your own brand as well. <laughs> your, your clothing line and things like that. So you are a brand. You've got to push yourself. But there's there's things that... There's, things, there's ways to do it, I think. Yeah. But if it's not authentic to yourself, you're going to get found out pretty quick.
1: Yeah, that's something I've always said as well. Like not not
0: everyone is going to be fucking Mystic Mac, Conor McGregor. Not, you don't need to be that sometimes.
1: No, that's why I always say to people, you know, I say stay, you've got to stay true to yourself, and then if you can entertain in the in the process, then you know, jobs are good, and so yeah, hopefully, exactly. personalities enough to be liked.
0: Yeah, that, that that's the that's the way forward, I think. Like the the ones that I sort of follow and 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 sort of gravitate to are the ones that are authentic are real to themselves still down to their sort of roots known in their local communities and things like that. Like, like yourself, you're, you're a local boy in, in, in London, you fly the flag. Yeah. And, and you, and you're, you're like, yeah, I'm a fucking London boy. And then you got the likes of what well, well, I'll use Mason because he's been on my show quite a lot. He's, he's a good lad and I respect how, what he's done. And he's exactly the same. He's from Wales. He's he's local to his team. He, yes, he's gone to America to do his training because that's how he feels he needs to progress. But every time I've spoken to him, he's so down to earth and so fucking sound. He's like, that's how you need to be. You don't need to be a fucking arrogant dickhead.
1: No, exactly. And that's the thing. I think, you know, just people need to... I can understand why people put on an act if it's for money and things yeah, like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong, I understand all that. I understand it's a business at the end of the day and and sometimes you do have to sell yourself like that. But don't be a yeah. dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's
1: why I always say that Anthony Joshua, I like how he does it because there's a lot of people that say, oh, no, you know, he's not actually that much of a nice guy and he's not actually humble. And Well, I'm like, if he's not... Then he he's been found out by now. In coming across well for the kids of today, you know, he's got he's yeah. a role model. He's got to set an example. So I, I, I believe that he is a nice bloke, and if he's not, well, then at least he's setting a good example to the
0: younger generation. You know what? I think you're spot on there, mate. And he had a lot of shit because of the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Excuse me. Spat everywhere then. Excuse me. Apparently, I can't hold my saliva in. Um, <laughs> But now apparently he got a lot of shit through the Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot. And it's like, whoa, that's his culture. That's his. That's how he's brought up. He, he's a, a black male. In the world, that's how he sees it. He's not being a dickhead. He's sticking to his roots, and from what I've seen in documentaries and and conversations and podcasts and all that sort of stuff around him. He hasn't changed one bit
1: no. at one point. My, still... my old boxing coach trains him now, Angel Fernandez. And uh, yeah. you know, obviously knowing Angel personally, he, he says, what a great guy
0: he is. So, um, you know, I take he's... Uh, and, you know, of... you don't just become the level that he's at if you're a dickhead. No, 100%. And the way that he's taken his losses as well, again, another reason why I admire... Fight, fighters uh, as, a, as, a, as a collective Is the way that The majority are so humble In victory and defeat Yes you, you can be cocky In the in the prediction You mean be cocky in The build up But the respect is always there And you can always see it within fighters We'll take Kell Brook and Amir Khan for example They fucking hate each other But in the end the end of the fight, they were all like, you fucking, you bested me. Fucking well done.
1: Yeah, once you've had a fight, you've had that fight. What
0: more is yeah. there to say? Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. I, do, I do love it, though, when you get, for example, take Conor McGregor and fucking Nate Diaz, for example. So they've had their two already. The first one, Nate obviously fucking shocked the world or not shocked the world. Choked him out. They were both humble. Then the shit-talking started again. It was like, oh, here we go. We're building up for another fight. McGregor yeah. wins. Humble at the end. Shake hands. All love. And then the shit-talking started again. It's like, fucking hell. We know what you're doing. And the so. same with uh, Dustin Poirier and, and McGregor again. It's like, you're all fine. And then you, you hate each other again. We know what we're trying to do. You're trying to sell fights. And brilliant. Fucking yeah. good on you. That's what, That's what you want. Yeah, I think the more animosity sometimes helps build the fight.
1: Yeah, of course, people like to see that rival kind of you know, their matches where the guys do, hate
0: you. More. Do, do you do that or not? Because I've seen, obviously, as growing up, my I loved Michael Bispin. and I can't wait to watch his documentary. I haven't yet, but I need to. And he was one that always had to pick a fight with who he's fighting, it was though he had to have that. Sort of yeah, no, nah, I don't need to do that. For
1: me, it is a sport. It generally is, you know, and that's why I say, you know, I, I fight every day. I go to the gym and I spar my teammates. You know, fair enough. We don't go as hard as I would be going in the actual fight, but it's yeah. the same concept. Do you know what I mean? Where I explain as we play fight for a living. And by play fight, I mean yeah. we have a referee. We have rules. You know, we have quite a few rules actually that people don't realize about um we're in a safe environment we have medicals you know we have so many things that make the sport safe I call it play fighting you know there's there's rules you can't bite someone you can't kick someone in there yeah right you're right
0: Mm -hmm. you You know it's not as though that you and your training partners and your coaches are going right there's street fight anything anything goes absolutely not so I totally get what you're getting at and when I was um in the amateur boxing team for the Air Force, uh, I had one one sparring partner in particular, Sam Brown, who he he was he was a very good boxer. I'll give him that. He he was fast, and he was annoying because he was so fast. He was a lot. He was lighter than me, so we were always paired up because I was heavier. So he had to fight someone heavier to get used to fighting someone who had a bit more power. And then he had. I had to get used to someone who was a bit quicker, but yeah. we literally would beat the fuck out of each other. And at the end, we were like, "That was a good sparring session." And then yeah, the, coaches and come out, yeah. the coaches would come over. The coaches would come going, "What are you two dickheads doing?" It's like, yeah. "We're sparring. We're getting. We're doing what you told us to do." It's,
1: yeah, no, it's all about having fun, and then you know, go and have lunch together after. But, it's weird, um,
0: isn't it? It's
1: weird. Yeah. So What's I'm, what, I'm I'm gonna be that guy, but my battery's got three percent.
0: Three percent, uh killer it's man. all good, it's all good. Well we'll go for a couple more minutes until you get to about one percent, and then we'll yeah. play it. in then case it just goes that's fine, that's it. Cut to black like a soprano. sopranos, mate. We'll cut to black. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was literally like that. We would go through these fucking killer sessions, and it was like what are you having for lunch? Oh yeah, we're having this, and then it'll be next. We're fucking banging shit out of each other. Yeah,
1: that's the way to be. You know, as I say, it's a sport, man. So, and you know, as we said, it it all personal, the way
0: through. A I guess
1: sport. Like Masvidal and Colby Covington, obviously, they got some stuff going on. Um
0: That's that's a weird shit that is.
1: Yeah, so that's when it becomes no longer a sport, and it's now personal, and it's to the point where things are going. I always,
0: out I always, because um, obviously. You, you've, you've, you guys in in mixed martial arts have fought for so long to get this recognised as a sport, and for me, it, personally, I, I I see sports as a whole. I'm am a sportsman at heart. I did yeah. sports science through fucking college. I love fucking anything sport, and I was like for for so long, I was like, why hasn't the likes of Michael Bispin, Conor McGregor, well, we'll even take yourself for example. Why are you guys not listed in like sports personality of the year? Things like that. Because mm. you should be. You're not talked about on things like talk sport unless Michael Bispin goes on to talk sport and talks about it. Yeah. And rightly so. Should be. Breaking down these fucking stigmas and, and, and what what have you. And it's fucking is it is heartbreaking. Like, because as a sportsman, it's like you guys need to be recognized and then you get dickheads like that. <laughs> that are fighting outside the organisation after you guys have fought so hard to go, we're not thugs, we're not fucking Neanderthals trying to fucking break the world.
1: I think it's just coming with time, you know, the longer these sport's around for, the more people realise, okay, this is actually a sport, this isn't a thug, you know, having a fight in a cage, it's actually two amazing martial artists that are putting their skill sets to the and test.
0: That's what um, I love. Because yeah. it shows the different skill levels that you guys have. You guys yeah. literally are fighters. You're not a boxer who can just throw oh. hands. You can do fucking everything and you could probably destroy anyone, anything in terms of fighting. Yeah. But because you're in a cage, people go, oh, it's fucking brutal, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. That's the thing. And it's like, you know, because of the elbows, there's a lot of cuts, but people don't realise that that's just like superficial stuff yeah, you know? the yeah. Damage is what goes on inside your head and 100% if you're boxing that's 12 rounds of constant head trauma in MMA you don't really get that you know if you get caught really hard you're probably out and that's your body's protecting itself yeah to someone okay you know 10 seconds and you keep going that's not good you know that's your body not yeah. wanting to do that and, so, and- I actually think our sport is a lot, a lot safer. It
0: genuinely is a lot safer. And I've looked into it and I've done a little bit of research here and there. Um, Like I said, I did sports science at college. The fucking boxing glove, not only does it weigh eight ounces upwards, so it's heavier, Mm -hmm. but it's also fucking massive. Mm -hmm. That hits you in the head. That's the whole head going, what? Fucking yeah. wobbling about, and it's actually probably better off you're getting hit with a four ounce glove,
1: hundred percent being
0: either knocked out clean and you're like, "Oh, I'm out, or yeah, you've hit me that hard, your fucking hand's broken, mate. yeah, you're not going to hit me that hard again. The only times I've gone
1: to A and E for broken like, I've got my nose broken and broke my hand damaged my foot which i thought was broken it's just little superficial things like that you know touch wood i've never had anything
0: that, that a, Is that a pun as well touch wood or not
1: yeah. <laughs> um so yeah you know it is is um but that, you know it, you can say i'm highest but it's a lot safer you might than be life.
0: you might be but it's also a cut is a cut like you hit me with an elbow you cut me open the ref goes you're fucking bleeding too much you're out Cool. I will get that stitched. I might have a cool alley scar for a bit, but That's, that, uh, as that is what it is.
1: Not, not long-term damage, let's say
0: you're not getting yeah. fucking shook. Your head. Yes, there is obviously that element of CTE and etc. etc. that comes with the sport. Sure, but you but look at more. fighting, more more if you, fucking if you're a boxer. And and your boxing,
1: all your sparring is head damage. Head damage. Yeah. Head damage. Damage. Head damage. In MMA. We do wrestling sparring. We do jujitsu sparring. You know, and it's not necessarily the best for your joints, you know, getting put in an hour bar. But if I've, let's just say that, you know, I've had a little bit too much damage today on my sparring session. Tomorrow, cool, I'll go and grapple. You know, I'll give my head a rest and let my my brain recover to a certain extent. I was
0: literally saying that to me, Mrs. the other day, because she was, um, we were watching, obviously, the London event, and afterwards, as the meatball molly documentary and obviously in one of her fights i think it was in liverpool where she got choked out and she was out yeah and uh my missus like that's gotta be dangerous why she's gone to sleep yeah she's not dead she hasn't been knocked down she went to sleep yeah Yeah. i went what she wouldn't she wouldn't have tapped because you can go to sleep yeah i went most people might tap because they don't want to go to sleep but sure i went You'll probably find the majority of fighters will tap when they're in an arm bar or a camorra or ankle lock, knee lock, or whatever, because they're your joints. You're going to be out for a long time if they pop a yeah. fucking elbow yeah. or something. When going to sleep, you'll be fine within the next fucking 20 minutes or so. You'll be back to normal. Yeah. You might be a bit shook up for a bit because you're like, fuck, in real life, you just killed me. But
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah mate, mate. On, on that note, um I think it's about to die.
0: Mate, I don't want to we, we'll take that. I'll take that because this has been fucking brilliant. I could have talked to you for hours. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone no, and no, Joe Rogan on you. And I I, I Jake, actually expect you let me know that that instead of it cutting to black like the Sopranos, that's you cool. Know, you know what
1: it is? That's why I said we was meant to come on earlier, and then I realized I hadn't charged it. That and happens. then I've only given it a quick 20 minutes or half yeah. an hour.
0: Obviously. It happens, it happens. So, yeah, I just have to. I just have to get you back on once you've, once uh, you've uh, got a 100%. fight locked in.
1: Hundred percent, mate. Let's do it,
0: mate. Generally, the honour's been all mine, and thank you very much for coming on. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Catch you in a bit, mate.